code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 22 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's the end of the week and we're glad you're joining us, so just a quick thanks to all the listeners out there. We appreciate it. Also wanted to note that we officially have Pirates of the Caribbean hotline now established. So if you are mysteriously drawn to wanting to leave a comment, asking a question, or sharing your thoughts and theories, give us a ring and leave a message at 8637-PIRATE. That's 8637-PIRATE. Yeah, we scored with that one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. How'd you do that? The magic. Magic of the gold medallion. (laughs) I cashed in. I used one of my wishes, and then now I'm only down to two, or then when I get the haircut thing handled... Pretty much, I only have one wish left out of three, so... Well, you know what? I hope I get the wishes also, because you have definitely wasted yours. Well, I may have squandered a couple of them for sure. Squandered? (laughs) Completely wasted, dude. Well, that's rude. But anyways, (laughs) if you want to leave a comment, we'd be happy to hear that and even potentially play it on the air. So let us know, and we'll have fun with that. So let's get going. In the previous minute, we catch Captain Jack Sparrow making a daring Batman-esque getaway, launching himself into the sky, inventing what can only be a precursor to the amusement park ride, Skyscreamer. You know, the one with the chairs you swing around while suspended 400 feet in the air? Yeah. And then decides, heck, since I'm inventing rides and affiliated with and under contract as an Imagineer for Disney, how about I use this rope and chain to zip on down the dock? I'll call it ziplining. So as Jack narrowly escapes the whizzing musket balls, he slips into a blacksmith shop for cover. That was minute 21. So minute 22 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow having just entered the J. Brown blacksmith shop, looking around and spotting an anvil and hammer that just might be useful for removing his handcuffs. We also see an almost empty bottle of booze fall to the feet of a passed out man, dare I say blacksmith. The minute ends with Captain Jack Sparrow successfully breaking the chain that connects the handcuffs thanks to the aid of a mule and large turnstile with gears just before the shop door opens. Since I was just mentioning a few rides Captain Jack Sparrow invented in the minute breakdown, I thought I would go off movie topic here and ask you what your second favorite ride is at Disneyland. The first being Pirates of the Caribbean, of course. Of course! Or maybe, should I say, maybe the question should be posed as your favorite ride when you were a kid or your second favorite ride when you were a kid. Maybe that is better. Well, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean is the best ride at Disneyland. There is no better, even to this day. But I have to say, my second favorite ride, favorite best ride, I guess, would be the Haunted Mansion. Oh, that's a good one. I really enjoy the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> I like all the ghosts and everything. It's a little kind of on the spooky side. My favorite part being when you turn in the mirror and there's a ghost sitting in between you and whoever you're riding with. Yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of pretty cool special effects, especially as a kid, that just kind of dazzled the mind there and how they did that. So it's it's a whole different experience when you see those rides as kids, and then when you go back and see them as adults, there there is a big difference there. But I, I don't think it ever really loses the magic, for sure. No, never. So as a kid, I wasn't really sure if I had a second favorite, and I had a few that were in the running when I started thinking about I was going to ask you this question. 
And one of them was the Autopia, which is the cars you could drive, even though they're, they're on a rail, but you could have control of the gas pedal and the, the steering to some extent. Yeah. Then there's the Jungle Cruise, which I always loved. You know, I was a big fan of, say, old old school Tarzan movies, and I remember watching those with my dad, and, and maybe on a Sunday or something like that, so I do remember those. So I always just loved the Jungle Cruise. It was something like the adventurous. It was kind of the swashbuckling adventure that you had beyond Pirates of the Caribbean to get out there. And as a kid, it was always dazzling to see all the animals. And then you have the guy that was actually operating the boat serving as kind of an actor for the situation. And that big hippo is going to get him. Watch out. You know, and then he blasted yeah. it with his cap gun kind of thing. And then there was a Haunted Mansion too. That's That was on my list as, as being one of the... F- favorite ones and the thing as a kid the one part i remembered on that ride was actually the elevator and how that things kind of extended and grew as the elevator sank oh yeah so you didn't really think that you were in in an elevator they kind of pulled that trick off uh which was pretty cool and yes don't laugh but the train i really love the train (laughs) sorry i laughed (laughs) (laughs) yeah you weren't supposed to laugh i said not to laugh it's the the train even as a kid okay wait 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 I have to make a reference here. Not a big bang you know train reference. What I always call you. Awesome. Sheldon. <laughs> not I'm not into and trains, the train folks. Train just puts this into stone. I don't have trains and I'm not into trains. You didn't Sheldon. let me finish. You didn't let me finish. Oh. It was the the cool thing about the train is the, the dinosaurs. Noise. The dinosaurs. Oh. No noise. <laughs> <laughs> the dinosaur part because it would go into i think kind of into that cave or whatever it is that that would showcase you know you're going back in time yeah so they had these dinosaur scenes these kind of animatronic dinosaurs that were were out there right and, you know in that thing so that was really cool and i i just really loved dinosaurs as a kid and i remember dinosaur books and my mom taking me to you know museums and seeing dinosaurs uh skeletons not real ones of course <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> you're that old <laughs> so you did last time we were in at disneyland you did actually take me to the train ride which is the first time i ever read the train of course i had to i had to i i still love it to this day i gotta get back on there i think it brings back all those memories as a kid yeah and that's what it is i think it's more so than seeing it and see you know because the effects aren't necessarily that great anymore but it's the feeling that you get on all of these rides, right. actually. It's a connection to the childhood. And so when I'm on Pirates of the Caribbean or I'm on the train or, you know, I don't really do the cars anymore because I can drive now. But you, you know <laughs> well, what I'm you saying? you couldn't fit in them probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, jeez. But, I, you know, those are the pretty cool things. And even the jungle ride, I still like to go on that because it really does bring back your childhood. And I think that's part of the yeah. beauty of Disneyland. It's That's why they say you know, it's the most magical place on earth because it does bring back all those memories right. that you have as a kid. So I think it really is is just kind of an awesome experience and to be able to relive that by going on those rides. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool the way how the brain works and, and brings that stuff back. Yeah, the Jungle Book ride is a really cool ride too. Um, I the really Jungle like, Cruise, I mean? Jungle Cruise, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really like the hippos. I think they were my favorite animal on the Jungle Cruise. Yeah, that's because it jumped out at us. <laughs> yeah, and actually, th- speaking of things jumping out, my parents will probably get a kick out of this, and so hopefully you guys will too. We also went on Universal Studios the and during that ride, and that's when they actually had the Jaws ride there. And I don't know if they still have that or not, but uh, I remember... My parents, or it was either my, I think my, it was my Uncle Steve and my Aunt Bonnie who were there as well. And they strategically, knowing how things were going to be, they put me 
in a spot so that Jaws would leap out of the water, basically, and 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 scare me. So as a little kid, I crawled over the entire bench of people when Jaws popped out of the water. So that's that's the family I had. That they're like, hey, he's really young. He might get a real scare out of this. So let's put him up by the the giant monstrous teeth of Jaws when he comes popping out of the water. But anyways, back to Disneyland. You know, I just couldn't pull one of these rides out. And so I actually went to the source and asked my mom to see if she could shed some light on some of these things. And apparently it was the Cars or Autopia. And guess that information is good as gold as far as, you know, mom can tell you what, yeah. what it was. But she also said that there was, you know, Haunted Mansion was up there. But even when I was really young, Dumbo was a favorite ride. Something magical about, I think, as a kid that you can control the ride yeah. is is really special. Right. And that's part of the magic of that is like, you're, you're kidding. We're not just going on a ride, but we can actually move this thing up and down or steer the car at least you think you're steering the you know driving the car even though it's on the rails as i said there's nothing better you know than thinking you're driving a car as a kid so that was probably why it was one of my favorite things yeah one of my um one more that i really liked was the tiki room the tiki 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 room (laughs) tiki room is good (laughs) i like this talking singing birds (laughs) who doesn't like talking singing birds i don't know and actually, that is a perfect transition to awesome. what I have a lot to talk about today. Wow, really? You know, this is one of those minutes where, it's, you know, there's not quite a lot of action or a lot of things talking going oh. on. Probably barely any words in this particular there's scene. one word, I think. Yeah, when he's trying to actually wake up the yeah. the blacksmith who's passed yeah. out from the rum drinking. So we pretty much all only have Jack in this minute. That's right. Well, for all practical purposes, you know, this John Brown guy is... He's passed out. Yeah, he's a no-show. Yeah. So while most humans are a no-show in this minute, I have to say, this is a time for animal talk. (laughs) So I think this might be our fourth animal to make the movie, if I remember correctly, uh, just going back and kind of looking at things. And so what I'm talking about is the donkey here. We have the horses pulling the carriage at Governor Swan's house. We have the goat being loaded onto the ship with other supplies when Jack arrives at Port Royal. Right. And we have some chickens in the courtyard, I think, while the soldiers are looking for Jack before he enters the uh, the blacksmith shop. Yes. And so now in this minute 22, officially in this minute 22, we have a donkey. Yeah. You know, we have... And I, so I did some looking up on some of the animals, if you can believe that. And I actually found information about the animals that at least we have so far. And then as we see other animals, I'll talk about that as well. So I guess this is a Friday kind of laid back day with our new Pirates of the Caribbean hotline. And we'll do some animal talk before we when we move on to the Pirates of the Caribbean film stuff in the blacksmith shop. Or at least that are really essential to the plot. So you actually found information on these animals that were not really they were just there basically yeah but i think the donkey plays a fairly important role in this at least you know he gets his his screen time for sure he's not just an incidental like with the horses drawing the carriage and you're not really focused on that this donkey actually has kind of his part in the movie so pretty cool so i'll just start with the horse the horse-drawn carriage leaves the house with elizabeth and her father's passengers 
And trainers attached the horses to the carriages and doubled as actors to drive the carriages just to make sure that no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. And plus to control them, too. You can't just have horses on the carriage, people loading up in the carriage, and then saying, hey, actors, just go ahead and pretend like you're driving it. And then this thing takes off down the road. So they actually had to, you know, they got their actor credits, their acting credits on in their chops for able to drive the carriage and make sure that nothing bad happened to the actors or the horses. So I thought that was good. Very good. Then as sailors loaded supplies from one boat to another, they, they left a goat as one of the pieces of cargo. Uh-huh. And so actors were shown actually how to handle the animal beforehand. And all the boats were secured with ropes on the nearby piers just to make sure that it didn't separate from the dock. You know, as they're moving this goat around, they didn't right. want... Things to move, and then it slip, and then the you know the goat's in the water or just falls and gets it, hurt. It was a quite quite a large goat actually, <laughs> and it kind of looked a little awkward trying to get him in that boat. It it is, and actually, I am carrying my goat on my back right now. So if they're trained properly, they will sit there nicely. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's just all about the training, and you know, goat actors are you know they're they're out there and they know what to do. They're pretty professional. Yes. I've known a couple in my career. (laughs) And then, of course, we have the soldiers running through the courtyard and they're searching for Jack Sparrow and they run past some chickens and you can even hear them making some noise. Uh And they're kind of just wandering around in the scene. So trainers scatter chicken feed on a certain area of the ground and then place the chickens on the ground when... You know, the director did say action. The actors were very careful where they stepped as they ran past the hungry chickens that were contained kind of in their area because that's where the feed was. So they kind of had their marks of where to run and where to go because they knew that the chickens would be kind of in these off areas to help keep them safe from all the people running or the soldiers running by. So did these actor chickens actually have names like Henrietta and... No, I don't know that. But I don't know... (laughs) If you're seeing things here, but we do have the star of the minute. And yeah, I must say that we are animal lovers, just so this is why this is kind of a cool thing. But the donkey does have a name. Oh, what's his name? Her name is Rosie. Rosie? Oh, that's cute. Rosie the donkey. Rosie the donkey. So although it appears as if the donkey is turning the wheel in in the blacksmith shop here, there's actually two trainers that put the donkey in place. While a trainer off camera really did the work. <laughs> so there was a trainer who was acting the part as the donkey here and in, in, in turning that turnstile and that wheel in the blacksmith shop. So the ground was covered with dirt to give the donkey, Rosie, I should say, traction as she walked as well. So on the set, just to make sure that she didn't slip. Oh, very cool. An additional behind the scenes movie making magic stuff here. Jack picks up the hot poker. <gasps> And it appears if he's going to poke the donkey to get it to move or to he get her to move. He poked the trainer instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do any branding. <laughs> See previous minutes on our talk about pirate branding. That's Johnny Depp really getting into character, though, if he's branding some of the other actors. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, Rosie started off. With her head down in this scene, and the actor, or Johnny Depp, stood next to the donkey with the hot poker, but was careful not to get too close with the an- to the animal with it. Obviously, right. he didn't want to accidentally hurt her. So a crew member sprayed the poker with vegetable oil right before filming began so that the poker would smoke. So oh, when he does okay. the scene and it comes back, so we have the hot poker, and we were asking about that because we could see it up. smoking and it flared up. So yeah, they sprayed it for that particular part to look okay. like it, it flamed up. Very and then it would smoke as if he had touched the donkey with it and then the fur got stuck to it and all that and kind of Rosie stuff. And Rosie was all safe and sound with 
that she was on the ground. And then another crew member stood near the donkey's rear end and blew off a puff of smoke as the actor neared with the poker. So as Johnny Depp comes with the poker, a puff of smoke, he puts up a puff of smoke. Then the vegetable oil on there flares up and yeah. smokes. So that was all kind of a choreographed thing. Huh. And then a trainer standing off camera cued the donkey to move quickly. These animal actors, you know, they're, yes. they're pretty proficient they're at that. Exactly. So to get Rosie to look startled, one trainer held the animal while another shook a jar of pennies nearby. Huh. So each piece of this action was filmed separately and then seamlessly combined during post-production, which is pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Seems like they're almost professional at this editing stuff. You would think, man. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell. So that's all I got about animals, as much as we wanted to go on. I have other stuff, but they are, you know, we don't even know if there's other animals in this movie, so we can't really spoil that. So can't wait to see that. Exactly. So animal action, more animal action to come, I should say, in future minutes. That's not a bad thing. It's not a euphemism. Heather, geez, what the heck? I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. You gave me the the Jack Sparrow eyes while he's nuzzling Elizabeth and (laughs) and Governor Swan and Norrington. Like, ah. (laughs) Animal facts for the movie. My God, this is a kid's show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I apologize for her, everyone. Send all your hate mail to Heather at... I didn't say anything. (laughs) Address it to Heather for sure. So that's oh all I have with the animals. That's all you got for the minute? That's all I got, except now that we can move into the actual blacksmith shop and what's going on there. Oh, okay, good. Captain Jack Sparrow enters the blacksmith shop, and we already talked about the donkey and him poking it and with the poker, a hot poker, everyone. <laughs> and so then we see our passed out blacksmith there, and his name is John Brown, actually. Right. And so that's portrayed by Ralph P. Martin in a number of television shows he's appeared in in movies, including ER, NYPD Blue, Who's the Boss? So he kind of really stretches back quite a ways for his acting career, yeah. if you will. So Wow. Exactly. Who's the Boss Minute coming up next? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not a lot of information behind the scenes or the pirate Wikipedia or pirate on wiki on him. No, it's, you know, just some of the stuff that we see in the movie that he likes rum and that kind of stuff that we can yeah. obviously tell. Uh, but oh, yeah. It, but what I thought was interesting with this particular scene is we already mentioned there's not a lot of talking going on. In fact, Johnny Depp or Captain Jack Sparrow tries to wake John Brown yes. from his, his slumber, if we want to call it that. And basically says like a whoa or something like that to one well, or whatever it is to try and get him up. First, he he makes sure he's got the ant, the um, hammer thing. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. A hammer thing over his head, like hovering over his head, right? And then he's poking at him. To see if he wakes, but he's got this hammer there. He's wait, standing there over him, poking at him, poking at him. Nope, nothing. And then he kind of acts like he's going to walk away, and then he goes, still got the hammer up. Whoa, or one, or whatever he said. Yeah. He yells really loud to see if he wakes. Oh, no, we're okay. And I mean, then he goes gonna, on about his gonna business. He's going to tag that guy with that hammer oh, yeah, if he, he woke was. up. Oh, yeah. He was going to knock him right back out. <laughs> Man, that, I think that would have actually put a hole in his skull. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a nice looking device. No, no, that definitely would have put a smart on that guy. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> but in this whole scene, so as we just said, there's not a lot of talking. And I was listening to Johnny Depp and Jerry Bruckheimer talk about this. And they said this actually would fit well as a silent movie sequence. And if you watch it with that, or just even without the sound, you can really see that that would actually work. Yeah. Because there's this lots of drama or exaggerated bits. Oh, yeah. And we don't need any words at all to tell the story of what's happening no. here. We get a completely clear picture of all of it. And that's from when he enters and he looks around to 
trying to wake him up to making the donkey move the turnstile and the gears and the wheel. And then to Jack trying to get the chain off with his handcuffs in that crazy weird motion like that's (laughs) that's gonna work and you know that that's clear frustration there i think we've all been there is you know that you okay you realize this isn't gonna work i really need these off and then you just like think that you can grab some mystical power and some strength of hercules to try and break these things this is the funniest part of the minute for one thing is trying to hammer put both hands on there and trying to hammer the chain well, he's never, ever hitting the same spot. And I think he realizes this. He's like, dang it. He didn't say anything, but, you know, you could just tell. And clearly that was just not working. So then he's so frustrated at this point in time because he's not hitting it in the same spot. It hasn't done anything to this chain whatsoever. So he starts shaking it up in the air and trying to yank <laughs> this chain apart like he could do this with his arms. I mean, just crazy. Like, the guy's just so frustrated at this point in time. He's just acting all crazy, jumping around and just yanking his arms. Yeah, when I first saw this movie, or just even when I first started re-watching it, I always thought that that scene was a little weird. Uh-huh. Because it's like, does he actually think he's going to be able to break that? He gets, you know, that. then I realized, you know, he's just really frustrated. Oh, yeah. And then I thought you back to some time. Feeling. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> I've done stuff like that. And yeah, I go, you, you know what? That is actually really realistic. <laughs> yes. Where you think, okay, this isn't working. And you just start taking it out on whatever. And you get this look of frustration. And so I thought, you know what? Okay, they did a good job. They captured real life there. Yeah, so, it kind of looked like you. Yeah, not like me. I'm not a pirate. (laughs) I just play one on the radio. I may look like a pirate sometimes. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, so that's that's what happens. And so then I started to come back around to that scene and think, okay, that would actually happen because I could see myself in a number of situations. It's like trying to, you're trying to break something that's clearly not going to break then with brute strength. What are you, you know, the Hulk here? No, it's not going to (laughs) work. Did you see the slats in the roof though of this workshop? Oh, I didn't notice. It, it looked like notice. there was. It looked like sun was coming through, and I and I should have. I made a, just a note on it, and I never went back to check. But it looked like the sun was shining through the slats in the roof in huh. there. And so I thought, okay, maybe the slats are something from the up and upper level. But then I'm like, well, wh- why is there sunlight, or why am I seeing light through that? So I think there's a lot of openings in the roof potentially here. And so if that's true, it doesn't seem real efficient to have potential rain leaking in. You know, you're in the Caribbean. So you're working away all day, pounding anvils and working metal. And then and then your rum bottle you're working. But then you get drenched with rain. Unless that's the, the mechanism. So maybe that's his whole point. He's like, no, we got to build this roof of slats. So when he passes out, then the water will finally wake him back up. <laughs> It's a proverbial <laughs> bucket of water splash on you to wake you up. So maybe that's actually what it is. Huh. But I, other than that, I didn't have much. So I'll have to probably relook at it to see why there's slats in it. Maybe it was a maybe movie effect because just... it looked pretty cool or, you know, that they're trying to get across that it's an old, old structure. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was just not, it's old. It wasn't made well. And, you know, that's interesting. I didn't notice yeah. the slats. This light bulb comes on. Oh, I'm going to... This will work. He sees the donkey on with the gears. That's right, yeah. Attached to the gears, and then he stuck the chain up, and we all know where it went from there. But I thought, you know, it all of a sudden, it was like, (laughs) you could almost see the light bulb above his head. Come on, ding, you know. 
Well, he at least got, yeah, because he realized it. okay, because once he calmed down from yeah. trying to break yeah. it, and then he's like, okay, now I got to really put my mind to this. How am I going to get these off? And then it clicked. Okay, you can go on to your... Finally, everybody's been waiting on the edge of their seats for, uh, you know, a little bit of handcuff information yes. from the 18th century. So, the first metal handcuffs. Brace yourselves, everyone. Don't get too excited. Don't want people's ex- heads exploding out there from all this waiting and this excitement, but first handcuffs as we may recognize them today came into existence with the bronze and iron ages and were a one size fits all for centuries seriously and this is what's interesting because they were a one size fits all this takes us back to the previous minute where i started and made this notation that they look like they were going to be loose and fall off captain jack sparrow yeah because they weren't adjustable handcuffs that's just they they didn't have the adjustable handcuffs that we do today. So as a one size fits all, anything with anybody with small hands. Can that's get out right. Of it. So you know because there was no way to adjust it, or there was this lack of adjustability. If you had different wrist sizes, it was a real serious problem. So if a suspect's wrists were too large, then the cuffs were painful or could simply you know they wouldn't close. Right. If they were too small, and the prisoner or the person that they detained could slip right out of them actually gets back to the facts and the factual or the reality of Jack almost looking like those cuffs could fall off to some point in that previous minute because they were one size fits all and not not like they kind of tightened them snug around his wrist at the time. So either these were real or they made really good replicas. Well, they yeah, they probably I well, I don't know if they were real, but they may have had some good replicas for that. I still think that the it's the look of- the look of it is that he could really slip those out. Oh, yeah. And he could have probably just slipped it out and then not had to go through all this torture yeah, in the yeah. blacksmith shop. But we'll just go ahead and say that it looked a little loose because Maybe his they hands weren't adjustable. are bigger and they wouldn't slip through. Well, they were they were swollen from his zip lining and yeah. his swinging oh, there you go. and then running and trying to hide. So, yeah, that's, so that's what it was. Finally, in 1862, a guy named... Adams patented the first adjustable ratchet design, and a guy named Phelps followed up a few years later with a patent that improved upon the original ratchet design, and beginning in 1865, John Tower used Adams and Phelps patents to manufacture what were until World War II the industry standard, and now we have kind of that modern design. Huh, very interesting. Woo! (laughs) Handcuff history brought to you by Pirates Pirates of the the Caribbean Caribbean Minute. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that that really ties into some of the previous minutes and what we were commenting about handcuffs regarding. And so now we know why that may have looked like that. Yeah, very interesting. Hey, did you notice that Elizabeth's true love you see in the very few last second of this minute? Yeah, it's, you know, depending on, it's always hard to stop the second, like, right, you know, you, sometimes you stop it, like, in, you know, mid-second. Right. And so sometimes you can see... And sometimes you can't. So if we want to just go ahead and say that you can kind of see his, you know, you you see see, his face coming in. There might be some discrepancy on that. But you do see it right before it clicks and when you hit that pause button. So Will Turner is coming into the shop. So I didn't really include that in my minute. That was our own little, I guess, discrepancy here of where the minute really wanted to officially end. But we'll go ahead and add Will Turner. Just I did it like four times and seen him. So The luck of the draw on that. Okay, four (laughs) times. Will Turner just pops in. At the very last second. (laughs) In the microsecond. In the microsecond. Well, I think this leads us to... Really bad eggs. It's time for our top lines of the week. 
Take it away, Captain Jack Sparrow. Really bad You know, it's great that Captain Jack Sparrow actually comes into the studio every Friday just to announce our really bad egg segment. It is absolutely awesome. I love seeing him. He doesn't do it for a charge either. It's just all free of charge, which is strangely out of character for him. I have to imagine he's pilfering from us just like he did the Harbor Master. So I think that's where the pay is coming. And we're going to start really noticing things missing around here. I told you not to leave the gold balloons on the ground. The blooms, yep. The blooms. So hit us with your favorite line, Heather. What's your really bad eggs pick of the week? Mine comes from Mr. Captain Jack Sparrow. All right, go. And my favorite line is sticks and stones live. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going with that. Really? No. Oh. That's a good one, actually. I like Snakes and Stones Love. I think it's just kind of, he, it just kind of flows and it's just kind of, you know, really Fits cool. with his character, it does. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. I think that has a tie-in to mine as well because I think that has some kind of the artistic writing. It's that colorful writing or that creative writing, if we want to call that as a cliche creative writing on that but it really is kind of a take on as we mentioned the other day that whole kind of common phrase but so it's something that's kind of a nice easter egg for everybody who knows the phrase but he says it in kind of a way that is a jack sparrow way yes so my three lines i actually you have three well i had three lines like during the last five minutes that i thought were all vying for my top pick of the really bad eggs segment Okay. There's the classic, you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow, you oh, know, the whole, good. you know, this is a day you're going to, you know, you'll always remember is the day you ca- almost caught good. Captain Jack yeah. Sparrow. Yeah. But I didn't choose that one. And then there's the one with Norrington who's jabbing at Jack's poor performance as a pirate. And that's when he kind of ends his tirade with, and uh, Norrington saying he half expected his sword to be made of wood. Mm. You know, that's after yeah. already, you know, discrediting his compass that doesn't point, point north and all that kind of stuff. But I settled on one from Norrington, too, when he says, Gillette, Mr. Sparrow has a dawn appointment with the gallows. I would hate for him to miss it. That one's good. And so even my thoughts on that is that even while Jack is making this incredible escape, as I said in the opener, Batman-esque escape, he is still smug enough to suggest capture is inevitable, but also suggesting that, well, you know, this is a family show, so I guess I'll just say stuff rolls downhill. And he's telling his right-hand man that Jack better be captured. And Gillette doesn't even want to speak to the soldiers. He just kind of gives them this nonverbal cue to like, let's get this guy. You, you men are with me. And then they run off. Yeah. So obviously no one wants to d- disappoint the newly minted Commodore here. Plus, I just like the artistry of it, as I was saying with your line. It's, it's similar to my love for a short drop and a sudden stop. And then I started to think, you know, as this is the minute or the line I chose that I'm wondering if I had this macabre fascination with hangings all of a sudden. Yeah, it seems like it. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know what what that's about. So if you guys have any, uh, you know, thoughts on on why I'm picking hangings, you can just leave a comment on our new... uh, our new voicemail line and and call that and and give me some advice or shrink advice (laughs) over the air. (laughs) But that's what I had. And so I think that those are the two, two great lines. And as always, feel free to share your favorite lines of the past. You know, now we're 22 minutes in. So within the past 22 minutes, let us know what your favorite line is. And we'll be happy to share that and, and go from there. Another great line. 
is when Norrington says you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of. Yeah, that's where... Yeah, that one was also kind of tacked on. If I would have chose that, I probably would have taken that one. Because that gets into our catchphrase thing, and that's a pretty good line, too. Yeah. That's all I have for this minute. So from animals to blacksmith shop to really bad eggs. I think that wraps up our week, actually. That it does. So we'll be back on Monday with Minute 23 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.